Hey everybody, what's up? You are now tuned in to the Black Men Working Podcast. I am your host, Sugar Ray. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine, a brother doing very good work, very important work in our community, Brother Jesse Jones from Bronx, New York. Yo, Jesse, peace, brother. How you doing? Yes, man. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. Yes, sir. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the Black Men Working Podcast. Um, I've known you for a while, you know, not too long, a couple of years. And one thing I admire about you is how hard you work. Uh, you're a hardworking black man, no doubt about it. Um, not only do you work hard in your regular job, but you also are active in your community around a lot of issues, man. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but tell us, for those who don't know, what kind of work do you do? How did you get into that work? And um, talk a little bit about that. Um, all right. Um, basically, what I do is I work with kids on the autism spectrum uh, in the education system with DOE. Basically, uh, like, what I do is I kind of, like, deal with behaviors, help them, like, figure out how to how to address the behaviors and also how to, um, you know, how to how to build upon their knowledge and stuff like that reading IEPs, profiles, and meeting the students, and then, like, and then figuring out how to, and basically building a relationship with them, that's all. Nice. How'd you get into that work? That's not something that, you know, a young black man in the hood every day dreams of, you know, uh, that's, not the, that's not an average job or a dream job for most of us. So how did you find yourself into that work, not only in education, but working specifically with those children who have autism? How did that happen? Uh, basically, um, like, like this, this is actually not my first job in the education field, but uh, basically, it's kind of taking everything I've already done and just kind of figuring out how to how to apply it to this situation. Uh, basically, how to, I ended up getting this job through a friend of mine who was working at the at the organization called QSAC at that time, and he's no longer with them, but I'm still working with them. And basically. Uh, he started about a month before me. He told me about it. I applied. We all had a group interview, and then we just took off from there. Well, but but what led you to education? What um, led you to get to the education field? I guess like all the stuff that is happening in the in the community, and it's just kind of like taking all the stuff that I learned from the outside and just applying it there. And I've always, like, somehow I've always revolved around working with kids. And and this time it just happened to be with uh, a specific population that I, before this, I've never worked with before. But mm-hmm. the best way for me to describe it is basically, you know, like, they don't, they, they're, they're, they're regular people. They just, they have autism, but they're regular people, you know. And that's just how, that's how I built my relationship with my students and, and you know, basically, help them to meet all the academic goals and stuff like that. Definitely. Oh, we, it, I'm, I'm going to talk specifically about the children with autism in a second. But, again, I want to go back to get a clear understanding. What led you to want to work with children? At what point in your life did you say, you know what, I want to work with children? Um, how did that whole thing come about? Because, again, it's not something that everyone wants to do. It's not something that everyone can do. Um, so I really want to understand and help our listeners understand how did you, a uh, young black man, get into um, working with children? Like, how did that whole process happen? What was your first um, job? How did you land it? Again, what, what, again, you need a certain type how of, did I get into <laughs> you need a certain type of passion and a certain type of love and patience to work with children. So how did that thing happen for you? 
Um, actually, it's, it started for me like maybe when I was ten, because at that time I also had like some, I had some family issues that I had, and I also had to go to counseling. And then again, in high school, like my 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 um my principal at the time thought I would also end up being in the social sciences field, and actually recommended that I become like a social worker. Oh wow! So nice. it's like it's it kind of like it had it happened in bits and pieces along the way. But I didn't actually put it all together until I was actually out of college. Got it. But basically, like it's something something like I kind of just fell into. But yeah, but basically, it, it's kind of like uh, like stretched out pieces of the puzzle that that finally started clicking after a while. And um, I used to I thought about like what my principal said like a, a few years ago and what he basically said is like you have a skill of helping you have a you have a um you have a skill of, you have a skill that is very strong and which happens to be helping people and the funny thing is i actually ran into my gym teacher on friday from oh, high wow. school and he was talking about the same thing like basically he was saying like i, I kind of saw it in there and i was waiting for it to come out in the gift as the as the gift that it is wow nice so, so tell me a little bit, right? So you're a young black man. How old are you and where are you from? Um, I actually, I just made my 30th birthday last month. Well, blessings. Happy Harlem. birthday. Yes, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So young black man from Harlem. What, what do you think? So, so you, you, you grew up in a public education system, correct? Right. Okay. Now, you know, from, being a youth growing up in a public education system here in New York City to now an adult working in the education system, what is uh, what are some of the things that still need to be done? What are some of the positive changes that have happened? And what are some areas that the system is absolutely failing in? Because I know um, as a former public school student myself here in New York City and Queens predominantly, and just, you know, as I've been doing this activism work and, and, and education work the last decade, Traveling, there's so many holes in our education system, but I want to hear from someone who's actually inside the system. Um, talk about that for a minute, if you can. Well, one of the things that uh, that's that's really needed in the education system is uh, you got to have passionate people like to work with kids. Because when I'm like when I'm growing up, I'm sure you've seen it. It's just like you know there you know there's a huge difference between the teachers who were in it for the dollars and the teachers who who loved what they did. Luckily, I, I lucked out because I had teachers who loved what they did. And but now I look at what's going on in uh, in the public school system. It's like it's really just more about okay, get you. I right, get in, make your money, get you two months off in the summertime, and that's it. But now, but like back then, it wasn't about that. It was teachers were more like they were very hands on. They wanted to make sure that you that you knew your stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, yes. As far, oh, as far as to like to answer the question about what needs to, how can we improve the situation? Mm-hmm. Is um, you teachers have to be able to kind of read personalities more because what I'm saying, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that like they're so like test driven, and that is like okay, um, this student is a person, like you know, you can't. Like, you know, a, a test does not reveal everything about a student. And a test really is just a piece of paper. 
Yep, memory. Not yeah. knowledge. I said a test normally is geared to uh, just to see how much you remember, not necessarily how much you know. Exactly. Right? Um, There's no real process on, on most tests. There's no real process of comprehension. Right? It's literally, can you remember um, these steps to get this formula? Or can you remember the answer of, you know, 3 plus 3 or, you know, 8 times 12? It's just a memory thing. And I think that's doing our children a huge disservice. Um, how how do you how do you uh, how do you work with that? Like how do you in your classrooms or in your settings? How do you deal with because what, because you mentioned something that was key. You said teachers need to be able to read personalities more and not be so test driven. Being that you know that and uh, the school system is still test driven, how do you navigate that for your students? Um, well, one of the ways I do that is to, uh, when I'm looking at the materials, how, like I figure out how to make it come alive to them, how to, how to get them excited about it. That way it, it's not so much about a remembering, it's about, okay, I, I know how to do this. So when the test comes, it's like, all right, I know exactly what the, so when the test comes, it's like, okay, I know exactly what I'm looking for. I know exactly how to answer the question. And not only do I know how to answer the question, I can draw upon the, like the the real life knowledge behind the question. I mean, the, the real life knowledge behind the material and how to answer that question more in depth than they would expect. Thanks. Powerful. Um, how long How long have you been working with uh, children with autism? Um, about to make two years with this organization. And nice. Yeah, in just about a week. Yeah. Nice. What has been uh, the biggest challenge? In that adjustment um, going from work, because prior to that, you was working with, um, and I don't want to use the word normal children, right? Because children with autism are still normal. It's a different way they learn and process. Um, right. But what was that transition going from one group to a next group? How did you, how did you manage that? It's, it's not so much about like being able to manage it. It's more like just, um, you know, once you figure out what makes them tick, what makes, like, you know, what makes, like, once, like, I used to, actually, I, I say this all the time about one of my students, like, if I can take a tour of his brain, I would love to see just what happens in there. Mm. But, uh, the way that, the way that I do it is more of just kind of doing the things I wish that teachers did for me and basically kind of presenting that to them in a, in a much more, um, in a much more active format rather than, like, just teaching them in the four walls. So it's like kind of take from, you take from the environment and you show them and like you you do it in a hands-on way rather than just straight from the book all the time because you can be you can do it straight from the book all the time but it's not going it's not going to work if of all your learning is done in the classroom then you haven't really learned all that definitely no that's that's right and exact that's so true um what has been what has been uh what what has been your biggest reward in doing this work in general at what point you know, did you feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and um, I'm enjoying it? I'm enjoying it with the challenges, with the struggles, with the obstacles. I'm still enjoying it. This is where I belong. At what point did you have that feeling? I uh, came at like the, I guess maybe at about the fourth month when I was when I was uh, first starting out with, with this position. And with one of my students, he was uh, – He's bright, but the biggest blocker was his behaviors. And once I started working with him, 
and I figured out where um where the disconnect was because I like I had to talk to his parents a lot. And um during one of the PTA meetings, uh one of his parents explained to me that she was in a um that she was in a domestic violence relationship. Mm. And once she explained that part, it then that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, Okay, now now I see why he's doing X, Y, and Z. And this is and now I now I can see how to help him get around that. How to how to um how to address those issues without like his behavior escalating so far. It's like kind of stripping the machine of the anger before it reaches the boiling point. Wow. How did you manage that? How did you do that? What steps um, did you take? A lot of it really is just consistency because the people that were coming up before him, they were just, they were getting burnt down and given up too easily. But once I, like, once I got the chance to work with him one-on-one, I was like, okay, all right, now I, I see it. And now, like, now that once I had that conversation with his mom, it was just like, oh, okay. Now, now it's starting to make, now I, I got this big puzzle, but now I see all the pieces starting to fit together. And once, like, I figured out how he, um, how he operates, and you just kind of, you work based off of that versus basically everything they were giving me on paper. Because when I read his IAP, some of the stuff matched and some of it didn't. So, once I figured out what a disconnect was, it was like, okay, now I know how to put this. Now I know the strategy that I have to use to to get to get the to get the best of him to come out. Definitely. Um, how important is it for the parents to be more involved, or what do parents need to do more of, or how can parents be more involved in the education of their children? Because too many times, um, parents are sending their children to school to be educated. And the parent isn't doing their part at home. They're not following up. They're not doing reading. They're not. They're not working with the children. Partly because a lot of times, in most cases, the parent is tired from working. Right? The parent's working. The parent may be raising a younger sibling. And um, when that child comes home, it's just difficult. It's just challenging. But what are some things? And how important is it for the parents to be involved in their children's education? Oh man, it's vital. It's vital. If, you, if your parents and if the parents are not involved in, a, in the child's education, the child is done for. Mm. There's just no, there. That's just me being straight up. There's no way around it. But wow. the thing so, is, like, they have to, they have to, they have to want to do it. That that's the first step. And the second would be, you know, figuring out how to supplement stuff on the weekends. Like when when school is not a session, what are they doing? Not just like doing homework and stuff, but like take them out to the museum. Um, show you know, take them to take them to the uh, today was MLK Day. Go to the the uh, the Washington Monument, uh, the African American Museum. Oh, well, that, that's closed right now. But um, <laughs> if it were open, but it, you know, if it were open, that that's that's another venue. Like you know, just kind of figuring out how to how to want to be more involved and then executing a plan. Definitely. Um, how much responsibility is put on a on the students to actually? Because um, again, I know that if uh, the 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 schools could care, right? The teachers could care. They could be passionate. The parents could um, follow up. They could, you know, check homework. They could, you know, do after school activities and all of this stuff. But how much responsibility ultimately falls on a child, especially a middle school age, high school age? Um, and what are some things that the parent, you know, the parent 
working with the teachers in the school can do to assist those children who may be disengaged or um, uninspired? Well, to deal with the students that have that have kind of said that, okay, you know, it's kind of boring and stuff like that. Uh, the first that well, it actually it happens at home far more before before it even comes to school. Mm-hmm. So the parent would have to recognize those signs wait like way ahead of time. But because by the time the student gets to school, it's like oh they're already in that 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 negative attitude. So basically, like uh, to and to address your question about um, about the child's part of responsibility, it's basically the parent working with the child to address to do the assignments and stuff. So it's like they, you know, in my case, it's like I I lean heavier on the parents because of uh, because of where my students are on the um, on. On the on the spectrum because some of them are like one of my students is very high, very independent, very bright, and then there's others that are that are um, low functioning that require a lot more help than the than any other student would. Mm-hmm. So it's basically it's really uh it's really more of a relationship between the parent and the teacher. Basically, tag teaming and working together to help the student. No, definitely, I agree, and I think. In that in that tag team in that teamwork, one thing that has to happen is figuring out how that child learns, <clears throat> because we know that every child learns differently, every person learns differently, right? Absolutely. And I think I think that's also one of the issues in our um, school system is that things are taught the same way, and too many times, if we're in a class of thirty or twenty or whatever the number is, uh, we're all being taught the same thing at the same time, whereas I'm I learn faster or I learn differently, and so. Um, I think that's also a problem and something that leads to children and students becoming disengaged. It's like, yo, it's boring. Um, and so I think, again, the student or, or the parent and the teacher, more so the parent is their responsibility, but also the teacher because in most cases the teachers are spending more time with the student during the day than the actual parent is, right? Exactly. Um, and so, again, teamwork is to figure out, okay, this child is, you know, the way we're teaching and what we're teaching, the child is not grasping it or they're not focused or whatever the case may be, whatever the issue is, and then figuring out how can we engage this child. Do we need to teach something different that maybe can't happen in the classroom, maybe has to happen in the extracurricular after school program or um, maybe has to just happen at home, right? Um, and I, I also know that a lot of times uh, a lot of the issue is that the parents themselves may not be as educated or maybe so far removed from learning something that they literally don't know how to help their child, and because maybe they have too much pride, they don't ask for help, Absolutely. and they don't they don't go to the internet, and they just like you know I don't know it, and they get frustrated, um, and that causes a big issue as well. Have you experienced that? Yeah, you feel absolutely. Um, I remember right before. And I'm, I'm actually referring to the same student that I was talking about a few minutes ago. A few minutes ago. Um, that happened right before I actually spoke to the parent for the first time, and that's how when 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 me and the parent had the conversation, that's why that's how I figured it out. I was like, oh, okay. Once I once I knew what was going on at home, then I completely revamped my plan, and I just like I kept the same goals. I just attacked from a different angle. Sometimes having sometimes having to attack it from multiple angles to 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 get through, but once I started figuring that part out, I was like, okay, now I know how to like how to start 
start putting how to how to start bringing this child around. Powerful. Um, what drives you? Like uh, what is like like what wakes you up in the morning ready to go? Well, for me, it's more like my job is okay. I've, I've got these young minds in my hands, and it's my responsibility to help them grow and to mold them and to shape them. So it's like that. And it's like, literally, I also look at it like, okay, my back is against the wall, and I cannot fail these kids. That's just a straight-up fact. It's like, listen, um, like, you know, people with autism, I mean, I'm sorry, people with disabilities already are ostracized by by our community, and it's just like, oh, man, I, yeah, I can't, I'm going at this, and I'm like, I'm doing this, and I cannot, and I cannot afford to fail these kids. Definitely. Um, how did you approach the first day you walked into a classroom knowing you were dealing with children with autism, what was that feeling like? Um, were, there, were, were you nervous? Were you intimidated? Talk about that process of um, going into this, you know, into this sector basically fresh and brand new. Um, actually, no, I, I wasn't nervous at all. Uh, like, because what happened was that when I first started, they put me with the elementary school uh, school students and then about a month into the job, I got I actually got switched around to work with the teenagers because mm-hmm. at that time, what was going on was that, uh, I, like, I already went through training and stuff like that. So when I came back to work with the teens, uh, my boss was already kind of filling me in on, like, certain individuals and, what, like, what to look for and stuff like that. So it was, like, it made my game plan a little bit easier. And plus, I think some of them might have been a little bit intimidated because I'm a big guy. And, like, I remember the first day. <laughs> I walked in and the students looking at me like, "Oh my God! Like what? Like what?" The <laughs> <laughs> You're all big guy. And I just walk up to them to shake hands and stuff, and they're just like nervous. <laughs> yo, yo, you know what's funny? You are a big guy, but as they say, you are like a gentle giant. You're big, but you are so pleasant, and uh, your approach, your demeanor is always so warm and welcoming, and exactly. always so. I was like, yeah, oh man, <laughs> exactly. But the, like, it's really like I remember one of my best friends said, "You're a gentle giant," but the word "giant" is still there. No, the giant is still there, and giant, no matter how gentle a giant is. For example, it's like real quick. Uh, me and my son walk to school, and my son doesn't like dogs, right? And uh, it's little, little, little dogs. And like, those dogs are gonna bother you. He's like, I don't like dogs. I don't care if it's a little dog, a big dog, a baby dog. I just don't like dogs. They are scary. They teeth, they mouth, they nose. He said it's all scary. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing. It's little, it's small, it won't hurt you, but he's like, but it's still a dog. All right? Um, <laughs> so um, what are some of the things uh, that you would suggest or you think that parents of children with autism need to know more of? Um, to, 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 to help their children? And what are some of the things that those working with children with autism need to know more and do more of? All right, I'm going to answer the, uh, the, the parent question first. Um, the best way to, to help them is to, to, is to know how they learn. Like, you know, you take them out in different environments, expose them to different things, because there are some parents that I know that, that keep, like, all they do is school at home, school at home, school at home. Like, mm-hmm. that's not, like, that's not. Let's be real. That's not realistic. You got to go out in the community. You got to be able. You, you got to 
look at different things. You got to see, like, you know, you got to do some exploration. This is New York City. Like, ain't no, ain't, mm-hmm. ain't no two blocks the same. Mm-hmm. No matter how, no matter how different they are, no matter how how close they are, they're not the same. Definitely. And as far as for the teachers, it's just, uh, you know, present, like, find different ways to to do things, to implement things. Like, uh, I remember last week, um, I was working with one of my students, uh, uh, and I, I was, I was observing him and I'm like, he was holding everything so close to his eyes and I'm like, he, he's got, he's got a vision problem. And nobody else was seeing anything. I'm like, why is he, like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at him and I'm, and I'm also, I'm working with speech, uh, the speech therapist. And I'm like, does he have a vision problem? Like, because he's holding it so close to his face, like, it's like, it's right, it's like, it's it's as close as the chair is to a table, to a table. Wow. And it's like, and this kid is like my, he's like my height. But I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, like, is he not like, is there a problem with his vision and stuff? And then like, I like, I end up asking, um, like my boss. I, I end up taking him to the nurse. And I'm like. Yeah, like he's looking at everything very closely, and I'm like wondering like what's going on. And basically, come to find out, like he he might need glasses. Mm. Wow, wow. Um, where do you see yourself? Like, let's let's look towards the future. Where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Do you see yourself still doing this work, or do you see yourself moving, um, doing something different? A little bit of both, because, like, right now, like, I really enjoy what I'm doing. You know, like, I find myself every day asking, okay, what's going to happen to these kids in the future? And then on the other hand, like, I'm doing doing some independent work, like, trying to, like, putting, putting together a book of poetry, trying my hand at becoming an author and stuff like that. So, like, I got my hands in all different kind of pots right now. Nice. Do you think that those are words that you can ultimately merge, your love for writing and poetry? with helping the student get to work with? Uh, when I first took the job, I was like, the, one of the first ideas I wanted to do was an open mic. Wow. So I always thought, like, it was a, there's a way to mesh the two, but it's like, like, knowing, like, what my, uh, the limits that my students can, can, um, can hit right now, that made that, for, at least for this year, that may not happen, but it, mm-hmm. but it definitely can happen down the line. Because what I've known, what I learned is that one of my students can read very well. He just can't speak. Nice. So maybe he can read, and, and how's his writing? Exactly. Like that was one of my goals. But like when I first gave him a pencil to see if he knew how to write, it, like his his um his premises wasn't that great. But overall, like it's like do do um persistence and stuff like that is greatly improved a lot. Powerful. Powerful. Um, do you have any tips or any advice for, again, parents, um, educators, those who want to get into the education field, um, as well as those who are already in the field, uh, and those who are working with, um, you know, children with autism and those who maybe want to get into that field or into that sector of education? Any words of advice, any tips, words of encouragement? Um, number one, like, Remember why you got in the field. Like if you're already in the field, remember why you got in the field. Number two, uh, be passionate because kids can read personalities like 
you wouldn't believe. And it's just like, and they know who actually likes them and who doesn't. So, you know, it, it's like, if they can pick that up that you don't like working with them, it's, it's going to be hell. So be passionate about it. Uh, figure out different ways to execute things. <laughs> have fun at it. Understand that you're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some rough days in there too. Cause I, I don't, I don't bet, I don't, like, I don't sweat it through a whole hoodie and stuff like that dealing with kids, especially when they have the behaviors and stuff. So it's, it's, it's exciting, but just like, uh, you know, have a, have a true love, have a true press, have a true passion for it. Definitely, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story. Um, I definitely want to continue this conversation at a later date on a different show where we can talk more about autism in children. Um, but today I wanted to highlight you. I want to talk more about your work, why you do what you do, how you do what you do, man, all of that good stuff. Again, I've known you for a couple of years and you've always been a good brother. You've always been, um, a passionate brother. You've always been a brother involved in the community and always looking for ways to get more involved. You know, so um, I definitely thank you for taking the time out to join me on here on the Black Men Working Podcast. And I look forward to, you know, watching you grow, man, and speaking to you more, brother. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Thank you, man. Peace. All right. Peace.